everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and I hope you're all well. I wanted to uh, let Sports Media with Richard Deitch podcast listeners know that I'm sharing a new podcast about a monumental moment in sports history. It's called Legacy of Speed, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Legacy of Speed follows the transformation of a San Jose State track program in the 1960s. What started out as a second-tier state college no one outside of California had ever heard of quickly became known as the home to Speed City. The guidance of Coach Bud Winter and his unconventional techniques launched the careers of the fastest sprinters of the day. Host Malcolm Gladwell, a competitive runner himself, traces the journeys of those sprinters who went on to ignite a boycott movement at the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. You're probably familiar with the now famous photo of the American sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos on the victory stand, accepting their medals with their heads bowed and fists raised in protest. It's one of the most iconic images of the 20th century, and in this excerpt you'll hear how Tommy Smith and John Carlos, with the guidance of Bud Winner's innovative training methods, took their famous stand. Legacy of Speed is a story about athletes who dare to stand up, and the mentors who made them fast and brave enough to pave the way for the sports activism we see today. Okay, here's the preview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You can follow the story by searching for Legacy of Speed wherever you get your podcasts. 1968. The Summer Olympic Games are in Mexico City. For the first time, the Games are truly a television spectacle. Twice as many hours of coverage with new technology like instant replay. And it's being broadcast live around the world in color. Everyone is watching. The United States leads the Olympics in medal awards and is just about supreme in the sprint races thanks to men like Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Tommy Smith, John Carlos, two of the greatest sprinters of all time, captured in one of the most iconic images of the 20th century. Two black men standing on a platform, each with a fist in the air. Yesterday, they stood on the victory platform with bowed heads wearing black socks and gloves in a racial protest. I remember seeing that photo as a kid growing up in the 1970s, a kid who was obsessed with sports. And even though I was much too young to understand anything about the context for it, I understood that it was an act of transgression. Over the next five episodes, I want to tell you the story behind that transgression, how those two men ended up on the victory stand, their struggles and triumphs. Because in that moment, half a century ago, the way we think about sports and social protest shifted forever in ways that we are still wrestling with today. Two extraordinary figures made that iconic moment possible. One, Bud Winter, an eccentric tactician who reinvented what it meant to be a coach. The other, Harry Edwards, a fiery professor and black power activist who dared to challenge that most sacred of American institutions. And here's the remarkable thing. All four of those men, those two runners, the professor and the coach, came from the same place, a second-tier state college that no one outside of Northern California had ever heard of, San Jose State, or as it was known back then, Speed City. 
I'm Malcolm Gladwell. This is Legacy of Speed, a story about athletes who dared to take a stand and the visionaries who made them fast enough and brave enough to change the world. In the 1960s, Silicon Valley was not yet called Silicon Valley. That nickname wouldn't come until the early 1970s. But among the rolling hills and citrus groves south of San Francisco, a hundred revolutions had already started to bubble. The microchip, the beginnings of the personal computer, the internet. The Bay Area was wide open to innovation and reinvention and anyone who had a crazy idea about how to do things better. And in the middle of that ferment was a commuter school in downtown San Jose, San Jose State. San Jose State was where a coach named Bud Winter held court. And Bud Winter is where this story begins. Bud was one of the most important coaches of the 20th century. He invented modern sprinting with an unconventional approach that has today become dogma. Have you ever watched the way the fastest man in history, the Jamaican sprinter Usain Bolt, glides down the track? Usain Bolt, look at the time, 958 world record! Unruffled, calm, composed. You can credit Bud Winter for the way Bolt ran. Bolt's coach was a Bud Winter disciple. Over his career, Bud coached 102 All-Americans, 37 world record holders, and 20 Olympians, including Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the two sprinters who raised their gloved fists in Mexico City. Bud's athletes so completely dominated sprinting that people stopped calling the San Jose team by its formal nickname, the Spartans, and just called it Speed City. He was a scrapper. He grew up in a poor neighborhood in San Francisco. Yeah, it was right by the zoo. That's Kathy Winter, Bud's daughter. Bud Winter was born Lloyd C. Winter in 1909 and grew up in San Francisco. Well, his mom was a Spitfire Irish woman, and his father was a photographer and a very quiet introvert. And he lived on the poor side, so I think that's why he had such a compassion and a heart for people that didn't have money. Bud ended up at UC Berkeley. He studied psychology. After college, Bud coached football at a high school and then a junior college. He was a man of obsessions. He didn't just golf. He invented a golf club that he swore hit the ball further because he'd exposed it to radiation. He didn't just fish. He went fishing around the world. He was unkempt, unassuming. He wore mismatched patterns. His clothes were often wrinkled. When he traveled, he stuffed his suits into a duffel bag. He always seemed to have soup or something down his shirt. <laughs> but, but when you pointed it out, he'd go, oh, you know, who cares? It just wasn't his priority. In 1941, Bud took a job coaching track and freshman football at San Jose State. I would say my dad was um, somewhat absent. And I don't say that with negativity in my heart or anything, but his whole life was about track and field and, and the guys. We'd be sitting there at the table at dinner, and all of a sudden my dad would get up, and he would go over to the side, and he'd start to practice, like with the shot put. Okay, now he's, he wants to tell him to turn his head this way. And, and here we were in the middle of trying to tell him a story about what we did at school. As a coach, Bud was a teacher, not a screamer. The thing that impressed me about Bud, he never raised his voice. This is Ray Norton. 
one of Bud's athletes. And never did I ever hear him use profanity. That's pretty unusual for a coach. My high school coach, that's all they did, you know. They couldn't coach, all they did was use profanity. <laughs> Bud didn't look like a traditional coach. He didn't sound like a traditional coach. And that was all part of the charm. Norton remembers the first time he met Bud. He was still in high school. He and some of his friends who also ran went to a track meet at the University of California, Berkeley. The annual showdown between the Big Ten and the conference that would become the Pac-12. First of all, we snuck in the place and we sitting quietly hoping nobody noticed us, you know. <laughs> Norton and his friends all ran track for their high school teams. A couple of them were pretty fast, but none of them expected to be recruited by the colleges at this meet. It's 1955. Not too many of the big track schools were interested in black sprinters. We watched the, the big boys, the collegiate guys, and then when they left, we kind of eased down the track and got in the starting blocks. They started to race each other just for fun. We were supposed to be there, obviously. And there were several coaches in the stands watching. All of them left except one. That one was Bud Winter. And Bud walked from the bleachers, then we're in the starting blocks. And we said, oh God, we've been busted. They're going to throw us out of here. And he walked real slow, and then he stopped in front of me, and he said, do you know you could be the world's fastest human? And I went, okay. I wasn't even the fastest guy in the starting blocks where he was standing. <laughs> a couple of the high school kids could beat me. And they're going, what? This coach must be on something. At the time, Norton had no idea what Bud saw in him. It wasn't until he went to San Jose State that he understood that Bud had turned the science of sprinting on its head. I was 6'3". Sprinters are like 5'8", 5'9", 5'10". What he saw is that I had a natural relaxation mode. I didn't strain when I ran, and the other kids did. He could teach me the relaxation mode, and I could handle it. The relaxation mode. Shorthand for the complex set of ideas at the heart of Bud's philosophy. Coaches for generations had stressed the visible application of effort, intensity, the grimacing, tightly coiled runner huffing and snorting down the track like a runaway plow horse. Work harder, push, push, push. But Bud's thought was, what if that was entirely backwards? What if the sprinter should be gliding? Norton joined Bud's team in 1956 on a scholarship. He would become a star, the first real star of the so-called Speed City era at San Jose State. 